The first reading from Exodus, we hear how God leads his chosen people, the Jewish nation, out of Egypt where they'd been for four centuries, much of that time in slavery to the Egyptians. And he's leading them out of slavery from Egypt into the desert of Sinai. And it's in this Sinai desert that God will purify their hearts and minds before allowing them to enter into the promised land. And what do people do immediately after they're led out of slavery from Egypt into the desert? What's the first thing they do? They complain. They complain. We have no food, no water, no house, none of the creature comforts we had, even in slavery in Egypt. And God has led us out into this barren, harsh environment. Part of me can understand this. I lived in the Sinai Desert for 13 months, and it truly is a very harsh and dry environment. You can barely support a couple thousand Bedouins today. It's, it's truly miraculous that God fed and sustained tens, maybe hundreds of thousands of Jews in that desert for 40 years. Because there's really nothing in that desert. I remember several times driving from North Camp to South Camp and back. Usually took about seven or eight hours along the route we were taking. And most of it was just granite and rock and, and sand dunes. Very, very little vegetation. And I, I was trying to remember earlier this week, I can't remember seeing any visible signs of, of potable water on the surface of the desert in those 13 months. It truly is a harsh environment there. And it was harsh for the Jewish people. It was unfamiliar to them as well. And they wanted to turn back. They were ready to go back to Egypt to slavery. And Moses pleads with God. And God decides to send them bread from heaven, manna. This took the form of when the, when the dew would come in the morning, uh, as the water would evaporate, uh, it would leave behind on the, on the floor of the Sinai Desert very fine flakes of bread, the manna from heaven. And this is how God fed his people for 40 years there. He fed them, he nourished them, he sustained them for 40 years in that desert with the bread from heaven. Over the past 22 months, I've encouraged people of this particular Catholic community to grow closer to God. The first time I addressed the community, I said, my primary goal here is not to get a good rating, wasn't to get promoted, it wasn't to work on my golf game, especially since I don't play golf. But my primary goal was to help you, the people of God, to grow in holiness. To grow in holiness. And I said, the first way I'm going to do this is through making the liturgy reverent. So that when we know when we're coming to Mass, we're not just meeting a friend for lunch. We're here to worship God, the King and Creator of the heavens and the earth. I also encourage people to grow and develop in personal and family prayer. And I've said many times over the past 22 months, if your idea of personal prayer, if your idea of family prayer is the 17 seconds of grace before meals, 
You don't have personal prayer. You don't have family prayer. It's impossible to pray and to listen to the voice of God when you're hungry and the food is right in front of you. So I've encouraged you to develop and form true personal and true family prayer. I've also encouraged people to receive the sacraments of confession and Holy Eucharist frequently. These are the two sacraments which help us in our own spiritual desert. Now, I was trying to help you to listen more attentively to the voice of Christ, who desires to lead you out of slavery in this world into a spiritual desert to prepare you for the eternal promised land. It's not an easy thing to do because the spiritual desert is it's much like the Sinai desert. It's an unfamiliar place. It's void of creature comforts, which we've come to enjoy. And some people said, no, thank you, Father. No, thank you. I prefer to live my life basically to slavery in the spiritual Egypt. St. Teresa of Avila, in one of her books, she says it, and she's describing prayer uh, using four different types or levels of prayer. She says, so few people, so few people ever make it past the first level of prayer into the second because they start to come up over the hill of the first level of prayer and they see what's coming in the second level and they don't like it. They become afraid and they run back to their spiritual Egypt to stay there. And they never progress in prayer. They never progress in holiness because of fear. But others over the past two years have chosen to enter into the spiritual desert and to make this journey. And just as God sustained and nourished his chosen people in the Sinai desert with bread from heaven, God sustains us in our spiritual desert, in our journey, with bread from heaven. Today's gospel is the beginning of the bread of life discourse. It comes from John chapter 6. You're going to hear a lot more about this over the next three Sundays here at Mass. It's in this bread of life discourse which Jesus says, yes, God the Father gave manna for 40 years to the Jewish nation, but I'm the bread of life. And he says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life within you. And this is one reason why you will rarely, if ever, hear John chapter 6 proclaimed in a Christian church which is not Eucharistic. Because Jesus is very clear. He says, my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. And unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life within you. You have no eternal life. He is the true bread come down from heaven, which sustains us and nourishes us in our spiritual desert. In recent months, many people have expressed their hope and their desire to me that the church get back to the way it used to be before COVID. Father, I can't wait for my parish to get back to the way it used to be. And I disagree with them. I say, I don't share that hope. I don't share that desire of yours. Because before COVID, there's way too many people taking the sacraments for granted. The sacrament of the anointing of the sick, people just thought that they could live their life in any way they want. And at the end of their life, 
when they're in the hospital or hospice or at their home or wherever they're dying, they simply call the priest who magically appears there three minutes later and gives them the sacrament of the anointing of the sick and everything's great. And COVID has taught us that that's not always the case. And I know of several cases where a priest was denied access to a room to somebody who was dying and they did die without him there as a priest watched from outside the room through a window. It happened to me. I was denied access to a Catholic hospital to see a Catholic patient to give Catholic sacraments to. The person was very ill. So many people took the sacrament of the anointing of sick for granted. So many people took confession and the Holy Eucharist for granted. They say, well, I don't like the music here. I don't like the way that priest preaches. So I'm just going to drive to the next parish. I'm afraid that Father might recognize me in the store, so I'm not going to go to confession to him. I'm going to go to the next priest. And during COVID, at least in this local diocese, all the church doors were locked for several weeks. Several weeks. And those sacraments which people took for granted, they were not available to them unless they were dying. In fact, I, I believe I was the only priest in this local diocese, and maybe even in the state, for the first couple weeks of the COVID madness, the pandemic, I was the only priest hearing confessions publicly and giving Holy Communion publicly. And so many people had taken those sacraments for granted. And the other sacraments as well, baptisms, First Holy Communions, Holy Matrimony, priests weren't doing these. People came to me. I gave a lot of First Holy Communions. Some of them, some of the family said, Father, the, our priest said that our child's going to have to wait till third, third grade to receive Holy Communion. I said, no, we're going to do it next week. Come on over. The same for baptisms and Holy, and, uh, holy Matrimony. I baptized several children. I, I witnessed marriages because the priests weren't going to do it. People had taken it for granted that these sacraments were just going to always be available to them. So do I hope that we go back to a time in which people take the sacraments for granted? No, thank you. No, thank you. I remember several months ago looking for a mailing address for a parish to send a, a letter of correspondence to the priest. And I found it in my uh, online search. There's a picture of the parish and the website and the address. There's also some reviews, and I was a little curious. I was like, I wonder what these parishioners think of this particular parish. So I clicked on the reviews, and uh, there was one review who gave three stars out of five. So it gave a three-star review because the person said that the parking was bad. The parking was bad. Three stars. Does this person have no idea, no concept that on the other side of this planet, people are shedding their blood, they're giving their life for the faith, and this person has the nerve to complain about parking at church. When Catholics in some countries, they worry about the church being blown up or burned when they're in it. Three-star review, bad parking, Father, bad parking. Do I hope we go to back to that? No. No, thank you. Some people want to go back to social justice programs and ministries, which I personally think hinder the church's mission of evangelizing the truth. Some people are so focused, 
so focused on minor social justice teachings that they lose sight of the big picture. Some people are so focused about immigration or the death penalty that they've forgotten completely about the scourge of abortion. Won't even mention it. I know several people because they've approached me. They'll say, you need to wear a mask to protect me, to protect life. You need to get the vaccine, Father, to protect me, to protect us all, to make sure we can all live. And at the same time, at the same time, these people refuse to speak up for the most vulnerable, the most innocent of human life in the mother's womb. They'll talk about wearing a mask and getting a vaccine, but they refuse to speak up when it comes to abortion. As a priest, I find that scandalous. I find it cowardly. In my personal opinion, I think it's sinful. Do I hope we go back to that? So focused on these minor social teachings, we lose sight of the big pictures? No. No. People want to go back to the way the church used to be, the way they practice their faith. I hope that most don't. I hope that they never take the sacraments for granted again. One of the greatest blessings for me has been celebrating the outdoor mass at the Army Heritage and Education Center, not too far from here. Been there every Sunday since May 30th, May, 30, May 31st of 2020. Every Sunday, very hot Sundays, uh, very wet Sundays like this morning will be, windy, uh, cold, snowing, it snowed on us on Christmas morning as the, uh, the Epiclesis was prayed during the, the communion prayer during the Eucharistic prayer. And I like going out to the, this particular mass at AHEC because these people inspire me because nobody out there is taking the sacraments for granted. In fact, many of them are driving for over an hour to get there because they've been denied access at their parish because they have a medical condition which prevents them from getting a vaccine or wearing a mask and the priest says, I'm sorry, you're not welcome here. So they're driving out here to be out in a field for mass. They're not taking the sacraments for granted. And I guarantee they're not complaining about the parking situation. The Sinai Desert, it's a dry and barren and it's a lonely place. And the spiritual desert is not much different. We're not familiar with it. It lacks the creature comforts we so desire. Still, our Lord desires to lead us into that desert, much like he led the Jewish nation, to remove us from sensual pleasures and, and temptations, and distractions of this world, the slavery of this world, in order to focus more intently on the path he's given to us. He does not abandon us or leave us for dead in that desert, but he feeds us, he nourishes us, he sustains us with bread from heaven in the Holy Eucharist. You know, a lot of people over the past weeks and months, I don't watch the news, but people still tell me what's happening in the world. A lot of people have been talking about the world getting back to, the, back to normal, the way it used to be. And you are going to be tempted. You're going to be tempted to leave the spiritual desert, to go back to the slavery, the spiritual slavery in the spiritual Egypt. 
you're going to be tempted to leave. I would encourage you not to leave. So many people, they want to leave. They want to go back to find spiritual peace. Last week, I was mentioning that people who depend on worldly leaders or science to find peace in their life, to find peace in their hearts, they're going to be let down. They're going to be disappointed because the guidance given, it changes. And I, last Sunday, I said, it's been changing every other month or so. And I said, it's going to change again. And guess what happened earlier this week? Several big changes. They said, you know what? We told you a couple weeks, a couple months ago, it wasn't exactly accurate. This is what you really need to do. And so if we're trying to find peace in something which is always changing, it's always going to elude us. I encourage you to make the Holy Eucharist the center of your life, the source of your true peace. It's in the flesh and the, uh, and the blood of the Son of God that we find this true peace. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. A God who cannot and will not ever change. His love for you cannot and will not ever change. The postlude, which we will hear at the end of Mass after the final blessing, is a beautiful piece of music which was inspired and commissioned by this very community. And it's a combination of two very important Gregorian songs, the Te Deum, God, we praise you, we praise you, God, and the, the Ave Verum Corpus, hail true flesh. And so as we continue with this Holy Mass, we give thanks and praise to God for leading us into the spiritual desert and nourishing us with his true flesh in the Holy Eucharist. Praise be Jesus Christ.